Welcome to the 136th QuackCast. It's called Motivations, and I originally wrote it December 27th, 2013. We, that being science-based medicine, received the following letter. Quote, Your blog, the SBM page, has come up for me several times in my research. I'm an RN trying to research cancer treatment for myself. I am a patient. I'm also a licensed massage practitioner with a 30-year history of using alternative or complementary medicine successfully to treat myself for various things. When your blog has come up, I've read into it, picking up some useful information. My question is, why the sarcasm? Why do you and the responders of your site have such disdain and anger? Why do you feel threatened? Your physician status gives you the top of the totem pole, the extensive training, the authority, and the privilege. Very doubtful you are going to be knocked off the top of the totem pole in this or any several more lifetimes to come. I say that I've picked up a few useful tidbits from your site, but in the main I am troubled by the anger and disdain that is expressed towards practitioners who are obviously are helping other human beings. Patients who have to pay cash for a service because their insurance does not cover it do not keep going back to a practitioner who does not help them. What are you afraid of? I am served well by a naturopathic oncologist who ordered me some homeopathic cream for my breast surgery, as well as a pharmaceutical-grade supplement of multivitamins. My breast suffered a hematoma post-op, and it turned black. The opposite breast also turned black from the blood that drained to it as I lay on my unaffected side. In 24 hours, I had one and a half black breasts. The post-op nurse and my PCP both stated it was the worst bruising they had seen in their careers, and neither of them are less than 40 years of age. With the help of the cream and the supplements, the bruising resolved in days, not weeks, days. The post-op nurse told me to expect this dark bruise to linger for weeks or months. I credit the cream and the supplements, neither of which the surgeon ordered, a top surgeon at a top university hospital. Something is wrong with the premise or presentation on your site. If physicians have this much disdain for others who are obviously helping their patients, then something needs to be dialed in, dialed back, or the baby thrown out with the bathwater. First, do no harm. End of quote. Since the holidays tend to fill my alleged free time with family commitments, and I need to rewrite some RSS feeds, am I lucky or what? I thought I would take this opportunity to answer the letter since it will require zero research. The other contributors on science-based medicine probably have their own motivations for participating in this blog and in science-based medicine in general. Perhaps they will weigh in in the comments. This is why I spend my time working away at the endless field of scam. First, I like to write. I enjoy the process of trying to explain a complex topic, but also like to be clever or humorous in the process. I like to make me laugh, and I hope others. It is an enjoyable intellectual process. This brings up the issue of tone in the blog and this podcast, and there will be disagreements among the participant as to the appropriateness of tone. I look at the podcast as tending towards the informal and the personal. The entries should reflect the author, and the few blogs and podcasts that I read regularly are less due to the content and more due to the personality behind the blog or the podcast. I want style and content, 
and the former is actually quite rare. Many people can write a well-organized and reasoned essay. Few can do it with personality. So I try to have my entries reflect something of who I am and express my personal reaction to the topics covered as honestly as I can. It can and should come across as disdainful and sarcastic for reasons that will become clear later in this podcast. Disdain not for the people involved, I hope, but the ideas and concepts of scam. It is the sin, not the sinner, that I hope is the target of my loathing. Now, I like to learn, and there is no better process to help one learn than to try and explain a topic to someone else. It helps in my infectious disease world, and it helps as well in the world of scam. I am also endlessly fascinated in the almost too numerous to count ways humans think and think badly. The variations of human cognitive pathology represented by scam proponents are truly amazing. The scam world has endless examples of how to reason poorly and the complete inability of people to recognize that they are indeed thinking poorly. I remain amazed that humans are so consistently horrible at understanding the natural world without the support of the scientific method and how often they don't bother to use that method. I have become a much better physician as a result of understanding all the logical fallacies to which humans are prone and applying those to myself. That, I would suspect, is the main issue that separates the scam world from the skeptical world. Those who participate in pseudomedicine are generally unable to apply the concepts of critical thinking to themselves. I suspect that to do so is an unnatural act that most cannot or will not do. But the main reason I spend my time writing and podcasting on pseudomedicine derives from why I originally became involved in the scam world. It was in the early 1990s, my first year or two in practice, when I received a consult for a case of gangrene. Now that's not a typical cause of infection in the industrialized West. The patient was a female in her mid-twenties. Sometime earlier she had been diagnosed with a tumor of her leg. I remember it as an osteosarcoma, but that detail could be mistaken. It was some sort of musculoskeletal tumor. Rather than an amputation and chemotherapy, which probably would have been curative, she opted for the care of a naturopath who treated her cancer with alkaline therapy since, as the naturopath told her, cancer is due to acid. The cancer progressed and grew, and parts of it outgrew the blood supply, leading to dead, infected tissue. Her naturopath told her this was her body rejecting the tumor. By the time I saw her, her leg was black, ulcerated, dead, and with a stink I hope you never experience. There are few smells as foul as rotting human flesh. The only reason she was in the hospital is she had fainted from anemia and continued to refuse any medical or surgical interventions for her leg, but she told me it was going to be cured. She believed in the pseudomedicine she was treating. She bet her life on it, because that night the tumor eroded into a major artery and she bled to death in her sleep. So if you ever wonder why I am angry in my podcasts or blog entries, it's because people die from worthless bullshit. One of the curious phenomenon I see is the demonization of those of us in science-based medicine. 
we are big pharma shills or insurance company shills, or we are motivated by a fear of our position being removed. Or we are angry. Yeah, I will cop to the last one. Anger at people spending their time, their hope, their money, their health, and ultimately their lives on worthless nonsense. Reality, as I had mentioned in the past, is a honey badger. It don't care what you think. If you misstep or are unlucky, reality will hurt you or kill you. Life is short and health is rare and pseudomedicine takes away both. There is a reality external to human beings that proponents of pseudomedicine deny, but we are all subject to the rules of reality. You may think you can harness the energies of the universe to make yourself invulnerable to harm. The sword doesn't care. It still cuts. The martial artist who thought his focus would prevent the sword from cutting his arm is an archetype for all unbelievers in unreality. We have not evolved to understand or comprehend reality. We have only evolved to survive it. For understanding, we need science. The scams about which we write upon at Science-Based Medicine, or upon which I podcast, are based on fantasy and the endless ability for people to fool themselves and others. And if you spend your time treating illness with fantasy, you could end up bleeding to death in the middle of the night from what should have been a curable cancer. Yeah, I know, medicine kills, but less so every day. Since 2006, in my hospital system, we estimate we have prevented over 2,000 infections and 200 deaths. How? By applying reality, science, and evidence-based medicine to the treatment of our patients. As chair of infection control for my hospitals, I have seen the enormous work we have done to improve care and make medicine safer. None of the infections that we have prevented, none of the deaths that we have avoided, have been due in any way to any supplement, complementary, or alternative pseudo-medicine. As far as I know, there has yet to be any quality improvement due to any scam, except perhaps for the use of disposable acupuncture needles. Then just watch any video of acupuncture and see if you can see anything that resembles good infection control technique. A key feature of reality science-based medicine is that it reacts to information and changes. It changes slowly, painfully, and erratically, but it does change, and it changes for the better. What we do works, sometimes, and when it doesn't, it is abandoned or improved. I am a doctor, and as I have mentioned in another entry, I see medicine as a calling. I, and many of my colleagues, have literal responsibility for the health, life, and wealth of people. We see people every day who lose all three due to bad decisions or lack of insurance. I am always more than a little saddened by the intravenous drug users I see. There are those who maintain an attitude that IV drug users made a choice and they get what they deserve. I see a life wasted, and it saddens me. Or the AIDS patient who does not come in due to lack of insurance until the immune system is beyond salvage. Or the middle-aged black female whose first manifestation of high blood pressure is a large stroke. Every day can be a reminder of how fragile and transient life is. I'm not worried about me in medicine. I'm not worried about my position. 
I worry about the next person who may needlessly die or be injured by a treatable illness because they opted instead to treat their cancer with alkaline or to deny that HIV causes AIDS or to treat their diabetic foot infection with honey. So when people throw away their life, their health, and their wealth pursuing alternative interventions that do not work, that cannot work, it tends to be a motivator. Most scam is based on fantasy, and fantasy kills, and it maims, and it bankrupts. And oddly enough, that makes me angry. And so I continue to always scribble, scribble, scribble. Often we get the phrase, do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In the world of scam, I am not certain what is the baby, the result, or the bathwater, the scam therapy. It's always kind of a non sequitur. There is no pseudo-medical bathwater that will clean any baby. A more apt cliche, I think, concerns that of emperors and his new clothes. And this is the idea of first do no harm. It is a concept that has never been true in medicine. All actions, all inactions, have consequences that can lead to harm. There is no way to avoid harm. Glib aphorisms may be a nice way to avoid considerations of complex phenomenon, but, like much of scam, have little whatsoever to do with reality. My job, my responsibility, my calling as a physician is to do the best of my ability to diagnose and treat your illness. That cannot be done by applying ideas that are based on fantasy to problems that come from reality. I do not doubt that most of the practicing pseudo-medical practitioners have nothing but good intentions. That does not make what they do good or correct or effective. This blog and my podcast and its cousins exist because we care that people suffer and die and lose money and hope and time by participating in nonsense. It is a waste of lives that they will never have a surfeit of the characteristics that pseudo-medicine steal from people who use them. And as Terry Pratchett noted, quote, The road to hell is paved with good intentions. This is not actually true. The road to hell is paved with frozen door-to-door salesmen. On weekends, many of the younger demons go ice skating down it. Or, as others have summarized my position far more eloquently than I am able, Quote, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of a continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And that ends the 133rd QuackCast. References, such as they are, are over at sciencebasedmedicine.org.